Welcome to the Johnny O Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny O. This podcast is brought to you by Top Billion Entertainment, produced by Asylum Recording Studios and the great Mr. Zills. And this week we do have a new sponsor. Do you like to party? Then RepCPS.com is for you. Rep CPS started out as a college peep show, a simple Snapchat account that shared pictures of gorgeous college ladies. It has grown into a huge merch company. They offer an entire clothing line, patches, stickers, and more with hilarious party scenes like show me that butthole to overworked, underlaid. Go to repcps.com today. Use promo code JohnnyO for 10% off at the checkout. And with that being said, we're welcoming, welcoming CPS Dave to the show. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing real well. So you are our official new sponsor. Um, you have quite the interesting story about how you started all this. So I thought we'd just get into that right away. Your origin story, as I like to call it. Um, you just started out as a Snapchat, right? Yeah. Sort of just, uh, my buddy sort of put me up to it, really. It wasn't meant to be, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be an entrepreneur or an influencer. I was kind of working overnights and just did it for fun. But then it, it grew. And then a couple of weeks, it grew outside of my nucleus, which is, you know, my Midwest area. All of a sudden, was in New York State and was out West. And there were people submitting that I didn't know. And it was kind of fun. So I kept it going and started finding new ways to grow it and to manage it because it got to the point where it was consuming like all my spare time. I was on my phone 24 seven fielding submissions and then setting up emails and, and new social accounts. I expanded the Facebook and Instagram. And um, I started out anonymous people eventually figured out I was the creator. And so then <laughs> I kind of have a creator side of it and so, like a submission side of it. So now I'm doubling down too because of that. So explain these people would submit to it. It was basically girls, with pictures of themselves in bikinis and stuff, correct? Yeah, it was, it was, it was tits and ass and nudes and people banging in their cars and whatever they would submit, I would field and cherry pick the best of every day and flip it around on my story on Snapchat. What a hard and job! Build- that, that, that must have been difficult. <laughs> well, that well, would, you know, look, it, it look- was. It was because the, the better the girls were, the more dick pics I got. But those <laughs> never made the post. And I built it up to 70,000 views every day at its peak. Right now it's at about 10,000 subscribers, but it's, it's evolved over the years. I, I started having troubles with verifying who was sending things in. People were sending pictures of ex-girlfriends and stuff. And they kinda, there was some conflict there because of that. So then the nudity kind of eventually just went away. And now it's just random adult stuff, a lot of vehicles and people on vacations and funny drunks and funny sayings and signs and stuff like that. But it's still it's still growing and evolving. I'm still the merchandise is kind of an evolution too. I started out just trying to brand this thing I made up and then taglines started coming out of it, you know, captions on pictures, sort of like show me that butthole was one of those. Yeah, I mean And if- that's been that's been by far the most popular. But that's what's interesting, funny about your story is like that, that show me, show me that butthole saying, you know, you know what I mean? It's just, you're making a living off that. And it's, I, I, it's Mm -hmm. to me, it's, it's so interesting that you can, because no, if someone would have told you, 
you were going to make a living off that, you'd been like, what? You know what I mean? Right. I and, went to I, trade school. I'm a machinist. Why would I make a living off of that? Yeah. yeah. And and I know it's not only that. It's I mean, and all the work that went into it and you're, and you're promoting too. I mean, from mm-hmm. just what I know of you and what I follow on all the social medias of you, you do a lot of traveling. Yeah, quite a bit. I kind of look for opportunities to travel because it's just so much better to network in person. You know, social media is great and it's fun, but the connection of the personal contact is just so much better, so much more fun, more genuine and more natural for me because it's odd for me to make video sometimes when I'm just talking to the phone by myself. You know, your creative mm-hmm. really has to be spiking for that to work and you have to have the confidence in what you're doing. But it also looks like you have, I mean, just from what I follow on social media, you, you have a fun life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you got to admit you, every weekend you're, you're at cool bars or, uh, mm-hmm. or, or events, whatever it is, whatever it may be. I mean, you really, you really lead, lead the life. You know what I mean? In my opinion. Um, and I, I started out with online sales and I was shipping products myself out of my basement. I put a little shipping center in my unfinished basement, had an office. And then I got to the point where that was doing really well and it created conflict again because I would sell, I, I came up with the shooting deer, slimming beers hat, which was just kind of a vintage, fun hunting hat. Mm-hmm. And I sold 300 hats in nine minutes the first time I came out with them. <laughs> and then I had to box them all up and ship them myself. So then I couldn't, I wouldn't really make content unless you just wanted to watch me pack boxes again, which I did that, you know. Then I handed it off to a fulfillment center, which kind of made me just a marketer for my own website. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of expanded into doing pop-up events as a vendor. And so now I've been growing that. I've done some pretty big ones like Daytona Bike Week. And I do truck shows. I do a truck show in Forest City, Iowa over Labor Day weekend. That's a great time. There's the Tomahawk Fall Ride, which is a motorcycle rally in September. And... So yeah, you're absolutely right. My even my work life is pretty fun because when I'm tied down as a vendor at my little booth, there's there's bands playing and there's bars and there's people having fun and I get to interact and and move around and and get drunk and just have fun. Yeah, while oh, I'm yeah. working. I was gonna t- talk to you too. I, I I so I promote music and uh, I was thinking. Next next year, down, out in my area, we should do a Rep CPS Music Festival. I and, think that's a great idea. Yeah. In, in the town, I mean, I could shut down the street. We could have just a big street party. And uh, I was thinking about it on the way over here. We'll have to talk about this weekend when I see you. But I, I, it's something you'd have to start planning sooner than later. I know we say next year, but that stuff takes a little time. But we could get a good headliner and some anchor bands. You know what I mean? I think it, it'd be a mm-hmm. cool idea. Uh, so... Uh, we'll definitely have to discuss that over a few cocktails this weekend when when you're down. Yeah, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a great idea, and and because of my my love for music, kind of overrides even TV and movies. I like movies, but I'm really not a movie buff. I'm more of a music person, and so I know a lot of bands just from continually going to shows and interacting and and just promoting the bands I love because I love them and not because I get anything in return. So. Yep, I think that's a great idea, and I would I would love to be part of that. Yeah, well, I'll put it together. I love stuff like that. Obviously, I love music as well, and and mm-hmm. I will. I, I, so while we're on the topic of music, I, I gotta ask. Um, and we've talked about them a couple times, and this is one band that we should have at the festival is uh, 
Dirty Prescott kids. Tell, tell mm-hmm. me about your connection to them because I see them repping your merchandise quite a bit. He's very, very active TikToker and and yeah, he's a he's a successful hard worker when it comes to social media. He's a he's a grinder. He does well. Um, so he's kind of just a local guy. We didn't grow up together, but he his dad owns a hunting cabin that he now lives in full time in Nelson, Wisconsin, which is my home area. That's my home school district and stuff. Uh-huh. So we have a lot of mutual friends because of that. Like he grew up with some of my best friends unbeknownst to me. I didn't know, I didn't know them later to later in life. And then with his music career, I kind of started to hear about that. And he and I have also both been going to country fest, which is a music festival in Kadat, Wisconsin in June. Yep. I'm very familiar. And so I guess I met him there for the first time. He always set up a big campsite. They call themselves the Country Press Dream Team. And <laughs> and so I met them there both through mutual friends and just from showing up at his campsite and hanging out. And because he's local to me, he lives about 45 minutes away from me. We just look for a lot of opportunities to hang out and and just excel our brand. He, he's been making music for years, but he hasn't necessarily been making merch. So I kind of had a head start on that. I've helped him out with a few things here and there. Right now, he's all on his own. I haven't really been helping him, but he's been killing it. And it's especially because we live locally, we can collab and kind of do what you and I are doing right now and just talk about stuff and get yeah. excited about what we're doing that's so different than what everyone else is doing. We don't really have a day job. Our job is to keep this train moving forward. Yeah, and yeah, his branding and everything is is I like it. It's nice. Uh, he's got that. I was watching a little bit of it before he came to the studio today, and and uh, he's even got like a cool logo, like a drawing of himself someone did. And he he's he gets after it, that's for sure. But uh, one of these days, well, me, you, and him, we'll all have to get together and have a drink and at a festival, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. I know he'd be down for that because he's always open to it. Yeah, he's, he's doing he's doing pretty well. He's, He's actually going out west, I think, next month. Or no, out east to open for Afro Man. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so he's so he is he does some gigs, touring gigs. Yeah, a little bit. He uh, a few festivals. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But anyway, I just I thought I'd bring him up because they're they are they rep your rep your brand a lot and uh dirty prescott kids good stuff they people should check them out they got they're all over social media um mm-hmm. and you can tell you guys, you guys run in the same circles you can tell just by his content your content yeah we are we're very much alike in a lot of ways that's for sure and i've become good friends with his family his, his mom and his brother just from just from hanging out and, and building a friendship Yep. That, so tell me about Wisconsin. I mean, a lot of people that listen to this, are, you know, they live East Coast, West Coast. We're Midwest guys and the Wisconsin life. If, if, if someone was to, what, what would you be called, a Wisconsinite? If someone was to look up Wisconsinite, I think you should be the, the poster child for that. <laughs> yeah, a Wisconsinite or a Scani. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin's cool. I live in Western Wisconsin on the Mississippi River and it's pretty rural. There's one stoplight in the whole county, and that's because it's across the interstate bridge to Winona, Minnesota. There's, I think there's 13,000 people in the whole county, but there's like 60-some bars because it's just a huge drinking culture in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And that all, came, that all came over from Europe. When Wisconsin was being settled, it was a lot of German 
Polish European settlers that already had a drinking culture. And they came over here and started breweries and started making the beer. A lot of, most of the, a lot of the famous, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of the famous breweries are from Wisconsin. And so that drinking culture carries on in it. And there's also always been a strong sense of community because all these European immigrant families came here not known anybody. So the communities were very strong and it just it continued that on. You know, the, the drinking laws in Wisconsin are kind of fun to talk about because they're all kind of molded to allow it to be okay. It's not a, not a severe punishment to be drunk, although it's, it's kind of progressing in a negative way, I would think. But some of the thing is for safety. Some of it's kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so I, I don't live in Wisconsin, but I live uh, one minute from Wisconsin. And it's just funny. Uh, several things like during the, so when the pandemic hit, they closed everybody down. And the mm-hmm. one thing about Wisconsin bars, they have uh, the Tavern League. Yeah, and and that that's a network that's there for the bars, and they actually got Wisconsin opened up way before everybody else, and then um, so so that tavern league, I always thought that every state should have that for their local bar restaurants. It's 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 it was a great tool for Wisconsin, that was for sure. And it then, really uh, is a great organization, and all the bars that would like to be members of it can join, and then they how it works is they have essentially a whole legal team just for the tavern league. And that's why all the businesses got opened back up so early because they were able to say, no, this is unconstitutional. You can't just shut us down. Yep. Oh, I remember because, uh, I owned a bar at the, during the pandemic. And, uh, I remember, so my bar was in Iowa. My mother-in-law owns a bar in Illinois and then there's Wisconsin. I live that close to all three States. And, uh, Wisconsin opened up maybe after a month. Iowa, yeah, maybe four, maybe forty days. Yeah, yeah, Iowa took three months, and and uh, Illinois didn't fully open back up. It was like nine months, and uh, wow. and it was just so weird to me because any direction from my house, there was bars open, bars with rules, and bars that were closed, and it's like it made no sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I- I grew up on the Minnesota border and they had a curfew for several months where all their bars were closing at 10. Yep. We and did that, too. And all it did was just help the Wisconsin bars. They all thrived because people want to stay out. They're going to do what they want to do. And so we all stayed open and, and it went well. Yeah. That curfew thing was so ridiculous because they said, well, people, the more they drink, their inhibitions lower or whatever. And it's like COVID COVID's here all day, all night. It doesn't come out just after 10 o'clock. It was just didn't make sense to me, but it was funny because in, in Iowa, we, we had to close at 10, but the casinos could stay open 24 hours and, uh, they, they were still serving alcohol after 10. So I complained to the governor and actually got heard. And they changed that rule that no alcohol after 10 at the casinos, but they could stay open because obviously yeah, casinos have a lot of power. Of, which is the opposite of what you were looking for, but yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, anyway, I digress. I try not to talk too much about the pandemic, but it seems mm-hmm. like it just was such a big part of our lives. And even to today, getting over it. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it is, it is still kind of a big part of our lives, even though it's a little bit in the past now. Yeah. The other Wisconsin, uh, rule is like my son's 15. And if I wanted to, I could take my son up to Wisconsin and he could drink as long as he's with his parent. Yeah. That's a, that's a rule that's written 
kind of protect bars, I think, but it's, it's bartender's discretion. The parent has to serve the child, and that that goes for someone that's 18, 19, and 20 as well. The law is written that a parent is allowed to give their child alcohol. So you're exactly right. That's, I actually read an article that was written by the Green Bay Police Department because of that issue, because people were unclear about it. They thought when you're 18, you're an adult now, so the law doesn't apply. That's not how the law is written. Parent can serve their child, which is kind of an interesting law. And that's part of the community thing where they leave it up to the community to make the decision of whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, it's funny. See, if my if I would take my son to the, to a bar, it wouldn't be for him to drink. It'd be because he's going to drive me home. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <That's>, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, son, you're not drinking. You are my ride home. So, yeah. Um, but it, it's 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 interesting where where I'm located because I I border three. I can go through three states in five minutes. But uh, so you <laughs> see so many different rules and laws and everything. But uh, um. I, I was going to also ask you, uh, in in reference to like Madison, how close are you? I'm about three hours away from Madison. Oh, so so you're further away than I thought you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, I'm 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 actually closer to Minneapolis St. Paul. I can be to the eastern side of St. Paul in half an hour if there's no traffic. Oh, I did not realize you. So you were that far north in Wisconsin mm-hmm. then, compared to where I'm at. But uh, well, that's interesting. So, uh, all right, enough about Wisconsin. Let's. So, me and you. Well, I followed your page, and then one day I'm I booked a show, and you came walking in. <laughs> that's how we met. Yeah, yeah, that was a Whitey Morgan show. Yeah, Whitey Morgan. I yeah that I again I just had him a couple weeks ago, but that was uh. That was 2019. It was November of 2019, I believe. But uh, yeah, so that is so, but um, it seems like you, Chase ain't the right word, but you follow music where you go. I mean, I see your social medias. Uh, what, what do you, what, what you, what you, what do you listen to? What do you, like, what are you listening to right now? Um, well, I just found a couple of guys just recently, uh, a Peter Sinclair that's been working with. He works in the same studio as Mike and the Moon Pies. I just saw Mike and the Moon Pies and Rob Linus at the Showboat Saloon Monday night. And they're a newer country act. Mike and the Moon Pies specifically does a bunch of old Gary Stewart, who is like a 70s and 80s country musician. Um, who else have I listened to? Joe Stamban. I've, I've developed a friendship with Joe, actually, and I've seen Joe Stamban several times. And then coming up in a couple of weeks, I'm going up to Ryder's Saloon in Henriette, Minnesota. And that's the Northwoods Jam. And that's a two-day music festival. They've got, um, I think they've got two full days of music up there for that. You can line up. And will you, at any of these places, do you bring merch with you just in case? Or do you just go for fun? You know, it, it depends. Usually not. Usually I don't want to compete against the artist because I'm there as a music fan and I'm supporting the artist. So I kind of think that if I'm selling my stuff, it's against them. And I don't want that. Oh, I get and you. also, also like it isn't necessarily that easy to bring stuff with. I mean, I could bring like a pack of stickers in my pocket, but if you want me to bring like hats and t-shirts, we're talking two big old bins of stuff. You yeah. know, I can't really, can't really discreetly just bring that in. I need some kind of setup. Yeah. I've so, seen your setup. Yeah. I don't always, 
Um, sometimes I do, especially like when I go to the Northwoods Jam, I'll have stuff with me. And if they encourage me to put it out, I maybe will. But in that case, I'm not really going there planning on making money. I, like you said, sometimes just in case, Sturgis is kind of, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally is kind of crazy about taxes. You have to, you have to get a sales permit with the, with Sturgis. You have to have a really good point of sale system. And then you have to pay taxes halfway through and at the end. So I've never gone out there because I haven't organized a place to set up at, you know, the initial investment of all those permits and fees for staying up, I haven't really organized, but I'll still bring a tow to half and just keep them in my vehicle. And once in a while I'll sell some, you know, but I'm never really setting up at events like that. But then, like I said, this, this coming September, I get kind of busy Labor Day weekend. I'm in Iowa as a formal vendor at a truck show. Um, the, the fall ride in Tomahawk will be a formal vendor. And then again, in October, I'm going that I won't be a formal vendor, but I might bring some stuff with. I'll be going down to Missouri, and it's, I think it's like the Harvest Moon Festival or something like that. But that'll be Stephen Banky and the Flatland Band, Ned Ledoux and the Marshall Tucker Band. Oh, nice! So, so I do. I I kind of do chase concerts if I have an opportunity to go, and I don't have anything on my schedule. I I take the chance and I go. Yeah, I wish I thought ahead this weekend. Well, you're coming down to where I'm at to see Ward Davis. And I wish right. I, I could have thought ahead. There's a big uh, wings uh, festival, like hot wing festival in the area. That would have been perfect for you. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll have to check that out when you come down on Saturday. But uh, I just, again, back to the music. I love music. I see, but you like the the country. And, and when I say country, it's like, the old school country. And that to me, that's making a resurgence in my opinion. Yeah. I've, I've spent a lot of time. I actually bought a private record collection that was, these records are so old. It's like Hank Williams jr. Before he had a beard. So it's like early seventies and late sixties. It's actually my friend's grandma, grandma's collection. And so that's been like a history lesson in old Nashville country. There's literally 100 George Jones records in the collection. Most of which, I mean, I've listened to George Jones, of course, but certainly not his catalog. I, there's more songs that he's saying than I've ever heard, probably. Well, that's cool. <laughs> well, that's, been, that's been fun digging that up and, and learning the old country because those are the guys that influenced all the people that I'm listening to now. So I want to learn it all. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. yeah. So you don't so much anymore, but you used to have a pretty cool setup in your basement where you'd make videos and stuff and it, and you'd, you'd always have a record on in the background. You're kind of like a, yeah. a young old soul. You know what I mean? And I still do have this setup. It's, it's like my office, my studio, my hangout. And it's just a little bar area that I put in my basement. Going back to COVID, it kind of started around COVID sort of. Um, and actually, I go live a lot on TikTok. I have a, I have a system where I screencast my phone to a projector, mm-hmm. and then I run the projection, and I can basically it's just my live feed. It's a mirror of myself, but now I don't have to be glued to my phone to read anyone's comments. So I just let that run while I'm hanging in my basement, and it's like a blown up screenshot of my phone. And then I'll just I'll go live and I'll play records. Or sometimes I'll stream on Spotify and take requests. And on Spotify, you can queue up all the songs that were requested. 
And then I move you to the top of the queue. If you wrote that song or you perform that song. And it's kind of fun because it's a fun way to get people to interact. Sometimes I'll price records. I've got a, I'm working on filling a bin to put up for sale in a store I'm working in. I've been, one of the things that I've been learning since I've handed off my shipping duties, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. is I've been learning custom leather work. I see that so, on your social media. That's, that's one of the reasons that I've been on TikTok a little bit less because I'm doing manual labor and commuting to go there. So by the time I get home, I'm like, oh, let's, let's work on that tomorrow. And <laughs> I put stuff off. But the custom leather work's been going great. I have a machining manufacturing background. So it's kind of just been learning a new material. And it's, it's been cool. I've been making stuff for myself, making custom orders for customers. There's a lot of stuff I don't know and I'm learning every day. I'm also, I'm working in a shop that's been established since 2004. So it's been around 19 years. And the proprietor, Larry Farrell, has been doing leather work since like the 70s. He's 74 years old. He's been doing leather work most of his life off and on and full time in this storefront since 2004. And he's really been a blessing too. He's such a kind man. I showed up one day, basically. He's, he's got a friend kind of helping him clean the place up since COVID. It's kind of shut down for a while. And he said I should come talk to Larry, see what he thinks. And I walked in and said, hey, I'm Dave, and I want to buy you out. And he kind of chuckled. He's like, well, I don't know if I have five years. Is it going to take you that long to take over? And I was like, well, we'll see. And I kind of just started showing up every day. And so you you call it working, but it sounds like it's just almost a hobby, passion type thing. Well, sort of, but I plan to take over the business full time and eventually. So Larry lives upstairs in an apartment that's above the leather shop. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he'll be moving out. I'll fix that apartment up and have it as like my bachelor pad. And uh, I'll live right upstairs above the leather shop and I'll continue to run both businesses from that shop. So, okay, I don't know anything about like leather work or is, so do you take a raw piece of material and then and then it gets made in to Yeah, so there are there's a variety of different leathers of course, but like when we make a to make a belt for you, we take a a leather hide that's natural veg tan leather, just a raw product. Um, you get it wet to put any impression. So when you put like the name on the back of a belt Mm-hmm. You just get leather wet, and then you can use stamps and a hammer and stamp the impression into the leather. And then it'll just then, stay there? And, and it'll just stay there, and then you do all the processes. You you oil, you dye, you burnish, you wax, you seal, all these different things. But in the long run, it's really just more merchandise for me and and higher-end merchandise. So oh, now yeah. I've kind of both. I'm keeping the businesses separate. I don't really plan to merge them. But they, there are just both items of merchandise. They coincide, and and I'm sure if somebody wants to custom show me that butthole wallet, we can do that for them. Yeah. So it sounds like you got a a, a plan. You know, some someday so everybody in the United States is going to have me a, show me a, your butthole hat, and uh, then you know, sounds like you got a a plan after that with the leather shop, huh? And I never would have thought that it would. I never. I know. I, like I said, this kind of started out as a fun little hobby and it's been turned into a business. And show me that butthole has been so popular. There's also dozens of knockoffs 
They're on oh, Amazon. I see eBay. them. I, uh, I, I shut down a guy that was selling on eBay and actually the, the bastard was telling his clients that he was my provider. And then they were getting inferior products from him and then coming to me and telling me this. So I shut him down. Um, I've also got a trademark application that's been, it's been approved for objection right now. So there's like a certain window with trademarks that companies can object to it if they think that it's a false claim. Yep. I'm in, I'm in that window right now. So it's been approved, but it's in its like period of objection. And once that gets confirmed, hopefully it gets registered. I was kind of in doubt that it was going to for a while because it's like trying to trademark, you know, Taco Tuesday is kind of a famous one. It, that's, it seems like something that just everybody should own. Yep. Sometimes it's just a statement, but show me that butthole was really born out of my social media and I'm the one that nurtured it into being such a well-known thing. So it's and a I've brand. <laughs> it's a brand. And I've got the sales history of it. So yeah. I've been selling these apps since 2017 and I've got proof of sale because that's all digital. D- can you, so, do you, and you might not want to share that information, but do, do you have a ballpark figure about how many hats of that you sold? Um, Probably between... Seventy five hundred and ten thousand. Yeah, maybe Oof, that's a lot over of the last, over the last. Yeah, June. My most viral moment was actually thanks to a Dirty Prescott Kids video in a boat out in the river, um, singing a Leanne Ryan song, and I had I had a fifty thousand dollar two day sales weekend because of that. Because of that video, and I think I had between 5,000 and 6,000 orders that month. And I actually had to shut down sales. I sold my hat to a, a brand of hat called Upoom, which is owned by FlexFit now. And they are made overseas somewhere in Bangladesh. or I think it's in Bangladesh. But these are made. I buy the blank hat and construct them in South Carolina. We ran out of blank hats. Because of COVID, I depleted the entire supply. And it took a good three, four months to get those 6,000 hats all shipped out or those 6,000 orders, I should say. It was quite a process. It was, it was crazy. Um, so now you're so, a fulfillment yeah. company. So you, so that was when you were still boxing and shipping then? No, I was kind of, I was with the fulfillment company for about a year and I had just switched to a new one. And the new one is Team Fun. Team Fun spelled with a P-H. And they've been making my hat since day one. And then because of the success of them, they eventually started implementing the drop shipping service for me too. So they were kind of new to drop shipping and new to me as a client for the drop shipping side of their business. And then it just went lights out and we were we were both like, Holy shit. Like, okay, like let's get this done. And I had some cancellations because people were like, well, where the hell is my hat I ordered? Well, I never expected to be right to sell yeah. 6,000 orders in a month. Yeah. I can barely afford to... I'm, I'm inventorying these hats, keeping them on the shelf, and they're available for sale right now on my website. Well, I can't order 6,000 hats. You know, Nobody has that kind of free money unless they're getting Mark Cuban involved or something. Yeah, or they're so bar- was, like Barstool Sports or something. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy. Um, we got it done. And, and that's, that's by far been the most viral moment I've had. And then I guess I'm kind of trying to chase that again. Viral marketing is weird. 
It's well, exactly. it's 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 so hit or miss, and you, and there's there's stuff yeah, that you're like, why why is that viral? Yeah, I, I look at lots mm-hmm. of like uh, that. I don't understand it, but it is. Uh, you know, for example, like oh, what was their name? Was it the Island Boys? Yeah, well, the Island Boys were pretty they're, successful. They're viral. viral. But I never got it, but. <laughs> Yeah, I never listened to their music or anything either, but but they were so polarizing in the way they looked that I guess I can kind of understand it. Yeah. Because whether it's for a right or wrong reason, people wanted to watch because they they were crazy and it was they were all over the internet for a while there. Yeah, boy, so weren't they? Mom. Yeah, they they really were. They really were. Um, I, we I mentioned Barstool Sports there a second ago. Um, mm-hmm. remember during COVID, uh, Dave Portnoy would do his unpacking. People would send yeah. him stuff. Remember? And he had your hat on there. Yeah. I actually, when I did that, I was out of inventory when that started happening. And I actually had recently sent one. I sent a hat to a guy that was a friend. He did a favor for me. I sent him a free hat and I was like, dude, I need you to send that hat to Dave Portnoy, like right away. Cause he's doing this unboxing and, and Portnoy, unboxed it, looked at the hat. I think he kind of liked it, but I don't know. He may have already been aware of them because, you know, it's the internet stuff yeah. goes viral. But um, he kind of like looked at it, thought about putting it on for a second and threw it aside and said, no, this, this is a family episode or whatever. Yep. That was kind of his little punchline for, and you know, he's, he's going live and doing this. I'm sure he was trying to be careful about anything too vulgar. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. without a doubt. That, that, and I'm and I'm sure he, I'm sure somebody was happier than how to keep that hat when he, when he threw it to his friend or whoever was in the apartment with him. Yeah. It's just, what a crazy time. I mean, like, um, between we, during COVID, we're looking for something to do and we're watching a guy in his apartment, just unbox stuff. People sent him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I it, like, and then we watched, I was talking to the guy last week, uh, Marty from the lonely ones he was on and we were talking about, uh, Joe Exotic and all that, and you know, we were watching that. It's like it, it what it was just such a strange, yeah. strange time. But um, I don't think I don't think there's anyone. There's to me, show me that butthole isn't quite as funny as it was five years ago because I've been working with it and selling them for five, six years now. But there's still people out there that haven't found it. But I, I, I gotta be believe that just like everyone in the world either is aware of it or is going to be through the social media. It's been crazy. Actually, Mark Cuban had his own social media for a while called CyberDuff. And that was like an encrypted chat thing that he had going. I had 16,000 followers on that application. Really? Holy God. I've never heard of that one. I, I... He, developed, he developed CyberDuff because you could chat, close it, and then it would just poof. It was gone. It was all encrypted and stuff, and these conversations didn't stay. But then you could send out a blast and it would stay for 24 hours. So it was sort of like my story on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had over 16,000 followers. So Mark Cuban for sure is aware of me and what I'm up to. You know, I'm sure of it. Um, the Chive, I've been to the Chive headquarters. I brought John Rezig a hat. He looked at me and told me to keep it, which kind of pissed me off. It was kind of embarrassing. Like I came here to Austin and I brought this hat for you. So he just kind of took it and put it on something behind the bar that the Chive headquarters has their own little saloon they built in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I just pointed to one of his buddies that works at the Chive. I was like, hey, I brought this hat for you. You can have it. He was floored. He actually, 
I think I'm trying to think of his name. I have his card here somewhere, but he he was the guy that was doing the subscription boxes for them. So he ran and got his card. He's like, you got to send me an email. Let's do this. Like, I love this hat. This is amazing. And I never heard back from him after that. Um, and like I said, Barstool Sports, it's come across Dave Portnoy's desk. So oh, yeah. people are pretty well aware of the show me that butthole. Tell me the, the, the chive. How did you get an invite? What, how'd that go? No, you can tour the chive headquarters. Oh, I gotcha. And I've been a fan of the chive. I had their app on my phone for a long time. And actually I kind of modeled a lot of my stuff through theirs. Cause I like, I like their spirit of things. I like their content. And so I was kind of doing a similar thing, just modeling mine sort of after theirs, especially with the randomness. Just yeah. kind of the random, feel-good pictures, cool cars, funny things, hilarious signs, and it just makes you feel good looking through it because it's interesting and fun. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've I had I've submitted stuff and made some of their things. Uh, uh, I do what I want is one of their, you know, if you look through mm-hmm. it, and uh, there's a pit my son was little then, but there's a sign that says, keep out, my son's standing on the other side of it, you know, and that made it, and just different ones. I follow the chive. That's the kind of social media I like. You know, I, yeah. I, I you it know. Uh, yeah, and I and I love memes. I did, Like, the other day, not the other day, but recently I went through my phone, and I deleted 600 memes off my phone. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Because I just love them, you know what I mean, and and uh, it, it, and that's you know, for example, the the Bud Light controversy. Mm-hmm. I I could give two shits. Don't care, you know, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I, if I drink, I don't drink Bud Light. I drink Coors Light. Uh, shout out yeah, to Coors Light if they're it. listening. But uh, if I drank Bud, Bud Light, Light, I would have just kept drinking, and I wouldn't have cared. And but the memes were hilarious. You know what I mean. The Bud Light thing is kind of funny because that whole outrage is all based on an April Fool's joke that was going around. I don't think people quite realize that. Yep. And it, it was all it was all misinformation that was posted on like a misleading post on April Fool's Day, and then it just blew up. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the person wasn't even an actual paid sponsor or anything. It was so. No, I, I'm pretty sure that was like a one can gift or like a special presentation or something for that Dylan Mulaney. It yeah. wasn't. It was portrayed as like this is the new summer can, and that's not accurate at all. But everyone just was like, "Hell no, I won't go." You know, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's craziness. I actually just heard that um, Molson Coors had their best quarter since the merger in 2005, and and they're attributing it to this Bud Light controversy. I'm sure a lot of it, yeah. yeah. I, and I'll be honest with you, I know a lot of people that they quit drinking Bud Light, but uh, for yeah, me, I wish, yeah, it wasn't, like, I wish it wasn't for the wrong reason. Yeah, exactly. But whatever, Bud Light always kind of sucked, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I've never been a Bud Light drinker, but, uh, you know, no. so let's talk beer. You you don't do it anymore, but, and it was one of my favorite things you did on YouTube. You did uh a 60-minute six-pack review. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually just did one recently, but I haven't really had time to sit down and do the editing. But that was kind of just, uh, that was an idea that was just born from me and a buddy talking about doing it. I kind of thought it would be fun to, like, big brother view of the shenanigans of drinking a six-pack and the silly things that happen. And also, I just enjoy trying new things. It isn't really that I'm a beer lover, 
I'm just always interested in trying new things and finding something I might like. So I started drinking a six pack of a new beer every single time. It was a beer that I've never tried before. So when I was doing my review on it, that was the first taste I ever had. And I kind of joke that you can't get a good opinion on a beer by just having one, especially one sip or even just one beer. You should maybe catch a little buzz on it because if you have a good time while you're drinking it, that goes a long way. Oh, for sure. It's I, there. I don't remember what beer it was you were doing, but there was one. I think it had a little higher alcohol content in it, and I could tell you were getting hammered as you were doing it. Your face got yeah. your face would get a little more red and a little more red, and and your speech got a little slurry at the end. But uh, those, yeah, I start I start repeating myself more because the one that a lot of people talk about when I started doing it, I was just doing it freestyle on my Snapchat story where I would just talk about it. And I did one in my truck in my driveway. My truck was broke down at the time. And it was it was an 18th Street brewery from Hammond, Indiana, I think. And it was like a really, really strong stout. It was like an 8% beer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I got pretty freaking drunk drinking a four. It was a four pack of pounders, I think in an hour and I got pretty drunk and I used to I used to put those on my Snapchat story then I would you can still find them on my YouTube but I'm not I just watched rapid. one today it was the carbless one I would one. kind of put them all together and put them on YouTube and then I evolved it again because TikTok came along and now I had to figure out how to do it in a minute so then I started recording myself for a whole hour and I would just like cut out one second, two second, three second clips for a whole minute and then do a voiceover review of it. So I've done several that way too. Actually, one of them was, um, this is, I should have put this on the, on the thing, but I didn't want to like embarrass myself, but I did a slightly sour ale by Sierra Nevada, which was delicious. It was like a strawberry sour, but it was filling. And, and I felt like it was foamy and I was like four or five beers in. I had like a wet burp where I just, splashed a little bit of puke around the floor down here in my basement. <laughs> and there was a there was another one that was all their beers, I'm trying to think of the name of the brewery, maybe like six points, but all their beers are named after like different marijuana, like shatter and different stuff like that. And it was like a double IPA. And I drank the last swallow of the last beer and I ran out my back sliding I have a walkout basement in my house. And I puked right out my back sliding door, right onto my cement patio in my backyard. So then I'm drunk, and it's wintertime, and I'm drunk, and now I'm trying to dump hot buckets of water right outside my back door so that my puke doesn't just freeze there and get stuck to my cement for all winter. So <laughs> <laughs> that never really made the final cut, you know, but it was... <laughs> it was quite a, a little fiasco there for a second. Yeah, the videos people should go to your YouTube uh, and check them out. They're, they're, they were re- funny and interesting, and and in some of them, the progression of you know, oh, I'm this number four, you know, type of thing. It, it, very, they were entertaining for sure. Do you push most of your social media stuff to TikTok now? I've been a little bit stagnant on TikTok. I still go live sometimes. It's just been so busy. But I've got a public submission Snapchat and my own. I've got two Instagrams plus Elma Leather. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm all over the place. I'm on Twitter a little bit, but not really a lot. I mean, I've got 5,000 followers on there, but I don't what's, really ever. 
what, tweet, tweet much. What's Twitter? I thought it, I, I'm on Twitter X. Is, Are you on X? I'm on X. My Twitter. <laughs> well, is that what it is now? I guess. Yeah. He. Um, oh, oh, you. Yeah. Look at the I icon mean, on your phone. The name, but it's still Twitter on my phone, isn't it? It. it, it the the little blue or the white bird or whatever the logo is is gone. It's an X now. One day I just oh, picked really? up my like phone it. and I was trying to open Twitter. I'm like, where the hell did Twitter go? And I couldn't find I it here. I, it changed. So I guess I've got 40 updates on my app on my phone. It must be one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but uh, yeah. So, did you, do you follow Jake Paul and his brother? Did you watch that fight or no? I didn't watch the fight. I heard about it. I don't really do a lot of pay per view because I'm a cheap ass. Yeah. So, I, I had a show. I hosted a show, the ultimate doors tribute, check them out. They were amazing. Like cool. one of the most realistic, uh, tribute bands I've ever seen. The lead singers only 23 did Jim Morrison perfectly. But anyway, I had, was hosting them at a casino this past weekend. And, uh, right when I got over, the fight was on. So I stayed and watched it. And, mm. and I don't care what anybody says. It, it was scripted. There was an outcome. They shouldn't, allow gam uh, gambling on that. I mean, that I, I, yeah. don't, I don't follow MMA enough to know even shouldn't even be talking about it. But uh, Nate Diaz, you could tell the dude was just playing. He, I mean, round 10, he's still standing. He's taking all these punches. And he he was even just dancing around, screwing around. I mean, almost it was almost like he was uh, just playing uh, Jake Paul. I, I don't know. That's my personal opinion. I, I you know, yeah. and, you know, I, I think Jake Paul's a little bit of a beast. He definitely seems like one. Oh yeah, um, I wouldn't want to fight him. <laughs> no, I certainly wouldn't. And he's doing boxing and fighting. I heard some opinions that it was a little bit of a money grab, but I haven't seen any of the fight or nothing. I guess I didn't realize they went ten rounds. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was a it was a decision because this, this was a this was a fight, not a boxing match. Well, correct? no, 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 it was a boxing match, and now and now they're saying they might do a cage match. So oh, okay. now now Nate Diaz, that's he's MMA. So now they're saying yeah. the rematch would be MMA. Now again, okay. I'm not taking anything away from Jake Paul's. He's fit. I'm sure he could, but I'd like to just see him box a boxer. You know what I mean? Like, and, and see what yeah. the real outcome is. I bet, but him and his brother are, are, you know, marketing geniuses, you know what I mean? So, and, uh, and I don't know if you, I don't watch much wrestling, but his brother Logan does wrestling and the acrobatics that guy can do was, uh, is insane. But yeah, I actually don't, I don't know if I've ever seen Logan do any of the wrestling stuff, but I didn't know he was doing that. I know, I know Jake Paul's been doing mostly boxing, hasn't he? Yeah. He hasn't really been doing a lot of fighting. No, yeah, it's all it's he. What he does is he. It's all the matches are boxing matches, but mm -hmm. I, nobody's ever been a boxer. It's all been like retired MMA guys and stuff like that. But uh, pretty cool that they were able to to develop into that because they started out as just kind of pranksters on YouTube. Oh yeah. So it's pretty pretty awesome for them to develop into that. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I guess there's a Netflix documentary that just came out about him. I'm gonna. Someone was telling me about it yesterday. Okay. I gotta check that out. But uh, but I didn't mean to get off on a tangent. And Jake Paul, I just. Uh -huh. But in my opinion, there was a lot of people there gambling on that fight. I felt like it'd be like gambling on professional wrestling. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've never got into the, the sports gambling. I'm not a I'm not a great gambler. Sometimes the thrill of the win is 
a little more valuable than the win itself, and I lose all my money. So yeah, I, I just I'm not a numbers guy for sports. Game. Like I don't know how to you know. I people talk mm-hmm. about the over and the under and the spread, and I I, I hear it. You know, it's on my radar, but I most of the time I don't know what they're talking about because I do watch a lot of professional sports. But uh, but uh, anyway, um, we're getting to about an hour here, so I won't keep you much longer. Um, why don't you tell me uh, where we can find you? Like, what's what? Like, what's your uh, social media links? Yeah, the easiest way to find me is either at CPS Dave or at Rep CPS. And that's pretty much my handle across the board. Um, the public submission Snapchat is snaprepcps. And then, of course, repcps.com is my website where I have all my merchandise. I'm starting to add a little bit of leather work on there, but it's really more of like an advertising page. With custom leather work, you finish one thing and give it to a customer. And so I don't really have inventory of a lot of stuff. But I have some examples of the stuff I do. Um, I'm not very active on Twitter or OnlyFans. I was running an OnlyFans for a while that was like a billboard and people would send me their content and I would shut out their username. Okay, so was, so I wasn't, back I wasn't up. Creating, back up, I wasn't back creating up. content. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, you ha- so you had an OnlyFans account. You have one. Yeah, I still do. It's, it's Greasy Tony, just like my Twitter handle. Okay. Now, Dave, don't get me wrong. You're a sexy son of a bitch, but I didn't think you'd uh, have a, uh, did you put any of your own nudity on no, there? <laughs> no, uh, no, I've never created my own content. Um, I've had offers by girls that create content because they can only create content with other content creators, but I've never created my own. It doesn't really interest me. I just decided that it would be fun to try to use it as a billboard. And it worked for a while, but it just kind of tapered off. OnlyFans is interesting because a lot of people see it as like a ticket to free money, but it's really not. Like you got to put work into it. You basically got to run a hustle, like a Facebook page that you can post nude to. And you got to chat and interact and, and baby people to keep money coming in. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, and it, it, worked, it, it worked well for a while, but fizzled out. This is no disrespect to a woman that makes money on OnlyFans. Good for her, but but the the way they interact and have to, like you were saying, it's no different than if you were at a strip club and the the stripper pretending like she likes the guy, and you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I had a and for the record, I do love strippers. For that, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I, I had a I got married a few years back. And uh, my bachelor party, we went to a strip club, and uh, the one guy he disappeared. We were like two hours. He was he he comes out and broke his shit, thinking this girl was falling in love with him. But no, you were just in the private room. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was yeah. telling you what you wanted to hear. But I digress. Anyway, um, so I'll see you this weekend. Uh, looking forward to it. We'll listen to some Ward Davis. Good times. Um, Make sure you hit me up when you get to town. All right, I will, John. Looking looking forward to seeing you too. All right, man. And uh, the show. Okay, yeah. This this will come out Friday morning. All right. All right. I, I'll talk to you this weekend. Thanks. Bye bye. And that does it for another episode of the Johnny O podcast. Thanks again to CPS Dave, and another shout out to RepCPS.com. Don't forget to use promo code Johnny O. That is J O H N N Y O at the checkout for 10% off your next order.